Welcome back to Romans chapter 6. We're excited uh, to be traveling through the book of Romans here. Um, We're going to let Pastor Woodward transition us uh, from chapter 5 to chapter 6 here to kick us off. Well, the book of Romans has been called by many people uh, Paul's defense of the gospel. Mm. So you could say, okay, so what's he defending? And the answer would be something like this. The church starts in Jerusalem. So that means for the first decade or so, basically, all of the apostolics are Jewish background by nationality and culture. Um, And so because of that, New Testament Christianity had some difficulties separating itself from Old Testament Judaism mm. for a while. Mm. Um, and then there's the tension of a flood of Gentiles coming in and accepting the gospel, obeying, the, the, the having the new birth experience. And so at the beginning, you've got those tensions. So now Paul enters the fray. And Paul was, uh, I would say, a radical Jewish Pharisee. I mean... He, he would kill Christians. He'd, he'd arrest them. It was, it was unreal. So, so now he's public enemy number one, probably to both camps. Yeah. The Jewish people don't like him because they feel like he's, you know, demoting the law. And the, the Gentiles can't figure out what to do with him because they think he's still kind of loyal to the law because of what he says. So that's the tension here. And, and so some of the influencers, Paul even has a group that follows him around called the Judaizers, and mm. they are like definitely teaching, you've got to become Jewish and obey all the law before you can become apostolic. So a lot of what Paul mm. says in Romans is, is being said in that context. No, we're not throwing out the law, but no, we're not exalting the law either. I'm not going to let you... It's not that these people are denying Jesus. They're demoting Jesus. We're going to have Jesus, plus we're going to do all the Old Testament law. Paul says, no, Jesus doesn't give you that choice. You've got to follow Jesus and what he says. So Christianity's at a crossroads in Romans to me, because if we go one direction, we end up like Judaism. It's a bunch of legalism. But if we go the other direction, right. uh, we end up just like paganism. It's it's liberalism. So so Paul's right in the center trying to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Now, something came up, uh, Pastor Zach, you mentioned it last session, and I think this would be a good place to jump in, because in chapter 6, we're going to start to see what I would call shadows of the new birth. Mm-hmm. Paul's going to mention baptism. We're going to see that again in chapter 8 when he talks about the, the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really, really important to mention here, guys, that um, you know, the book of Acts is understood in every New Testament epistle. They come later. So it's really important for those that are watching this series to realize that every Christian in your Bible was baptized in Jesus' name. Yes. Every Christian in your Bible had received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues because that's what defined a Christian. Yes. So Romans uses words like faith and grace, mm. but you've got to define those with the book of Acts in the rearview mirror. Right. Yes, right. salvation is by faith and it's according to God's grace. Absolutely, we're not discounting that. Sometimes apostolics de- 
they they avoid Romans mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they feel like, oh my goodness, we we've, we're all the way to chapter six, and Paul hasn't quoted Acts two thirty eight yeah, right, one yeah. time. Right. But Paul's he's reaching back and saying, this is what you've experienced. I'm going to tell you what the foundation is of mm-hmm. this experience. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start to see those shadows, but always remember that. Everybody Paul's writing to has experienced the new birth experience. That's so important. And so now we we go into chapter 6. In chapters 1 to 3, he just laid us all on the floor. In chapters 4 and 5, he gives us hope. Okay, you know, and and we've already talked about that. So now in chapter 6, we really start to get into the specifics of the gospel. So talking about baptism that he he mentions there in, in the uh, I think it's chapter uh, I'm sorry verse number three. If you've been baptized into Jesus, you are baptized into His death. Yeah. You know we we put great emphasis on baptism uh, that baptism is the remission of sins, but there's a lot of uh, spiritual warfare that goes along with uh, with baptism and hmm. spiritual empowerment. That goes yeah. along with baptism. That I think we really need to address more and more in our churches, and, and uh, hopefully people will see the significance and the necessity yes. of being bap- baptized. Uh, and so, when we are baptized, we are we are buried with Christ into His death. Okay. Now he's setting he's he's using this as an example for the rest of his argument in the chapter, uh, which is basically the the contrast between sin and new life in Christ. What's that going to look like? Well, if you're buried with Christ in baptism, then you have new life. And what are you doing with the old man? The old man is buried in death. Mm -hmm. So when we are baptized with, with Christ, we are taking on his death at Calvary, along with repentance, that we are dying out to sin. We are dying out to the old life. Because that's where we're, what we need. He's mm-hmm. already already showed us our old life is corrupt. Yep. It's sinful. It's against God. It makes us enemies of God. And so, for us to be baptized with Him, and so you know, it, when you are baptized with Christ in baptism in the waters of baptism, you are showing your significance that I am I am burying my old life. I am burying the old way of living. Mm-hmm. But then he, he, he contrasts that again, that when we are resurrected with him, our old stuff was, was crucified with him in order that this body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So you've already been set free from sin, but then we're raised to newness of yeah. life. Yes. So it's a new life, meaning I'm leaving the old life behind. We, mm-hmm. we call it burying the, the old man. Well, that, is, that, that leads to a mindset change. It's a change of mindset, yes. thinking, behavior, living. And, and so he answers this question. That he's, the question was, shall, shall we continue in sin because grace abounds? Yeah. So his answer is no. Mm-hmm. Because you've been baptized, you've buried the old sinful life and nature in baptism, just as Christ was crucified at Calvary and buried in a tomb, you are taking your old life yes. and burying that into newness of life. Yep. And that's important for us to understand that when we're not, we're not just baptizing people just to get them wet, right. that this is spiritual significance Absolutely that you are, your old, old things are being passed away. And behold, everything's becoming new. Absolutely. You're being raised to new life. And so you bury the old and you walk in new. Pastor Whitley, um, 
you, you bring an interesting point um, about the flesh being put to death, mm-hmm. okay? Um, Jesus was buried because he had suffered death at the cross. You mentioned a while ago about we don't hear repentance mm. uh, preached the way that we, we should. Um, there's extremes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you can, you know, there's two sides. You can run off the road on this side, or you can run off the road on that mm-hmm. side. Um, wow. I remember years ago uh, being an evangelist, uh, preaching at a church where a person uh, had come to the altar, repented, and uh, I was leading them through the next step to baptism when the pastor told me, which I believe this is an extreme, he said, uh, he said, I don't baptize just people right away. He said, they need to bring forth fruit that speak of their repentance. Mm. He said, so I'll, I'll wait and I'll observe this man. If he brings fruit of his repentance, then I'll, I'll baptize him. Well, obviously that's an extreme. But I also believe another extreme can be that we just, you know, you know, randomly p- get people and, and, and take them to the waters, have yeah. no knowledge of what's happening, right. don't have any understanding yeah. of what, what is taking place. Pastor Woodward mentioned about types and shadows. Well, uh, we say buried with Christ as a type of his tomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you have to be first dead. Be dead. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Where did he die? He, his flesh was crucified at the cross. And um, as we as we look at these these shadows, we even see it in Genesis. I, I believe the days of creation um, are are types and shadows of redemption. The first day uh, uh, God moved upon the face of the waters and uh, and and light appeared and, and darkness was separated. And I believe that that's conviction where yeah. uh, two powers come upon you. Mm. And then uh, the third day there was a resurrection and on and on. Even um, studying a little bit about Noah, you can even see typology with Noah um, in that uh, we, we believe that the first step to salvation um, after hearing and believing is repentance. Mm. Well, the Bible says God repented that he made man. Mm. God repents. What's the second thing God does? Goes to the water, and there's an ark, and there's water. And from the ark is released the dove, the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. So we see this typology. So I, I believe that, that students of, of, of Romans have to understand when we talk about being buried with him into baptism, if we've been planted together in the likeness mm-hmm. of his death, mm-hmm. we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Mm-hmm. That, that we have to understand the typology and what that typology represented. You never buried something that wasn't dead. Mm-hmm. Right. You yeah, know, it's, there can be no resurrection. Mm-hmm. The seeds got to die, right? Uh, to be to be resurrected. So there's a beautiful typology here uh, in in the book of Revelation, starting here in in um, chapter six, I believe. Going going back to what he said about what's the struggle of chapter six is: what are you going to yield yourself to? Yes. Yeah. Who's your master? Yeah. Is it going to be sin and death, mm-hmm. or? Or is it going to be Jesus Christ through grace and faith and uh, mercy? Is that going to be it? Because the question is, are we going to continue in sin? Yeah. Because grace abounds. And, it, right. and if you're going to follow Him, you got to die. You got to yeah. die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you got to follow. Take up your cross and follow me. Yes. Yeah. And and He says He uses the word dominion. Death no longer has dominion over Him. Okay. Well, if we are buried with Him, then sin and death no longer has dominion over me. Right. 
And so he goes on to talk about, do not let sin reign in your mortal mortal body. body. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a difference between, there's, we've talked about this in other contexts. There's a difference between justification and sanctification. Yes, sir. Justification is what God does in us immediately at salvation. Yes. He does that to us through faith and grace and repentance and baptism and receiving the Holy Spirit. But then it is sanctification is the working out of that salvation in our life. Now, what we have to understand is, yes, you are forgiven of your sin. Right. You are for, as soon as you ask for forgiveness, he's faithful and just to forgive you. But there is the pollution of sin that remains in us that will always want to take right. dominion over us again. Yes. And so he's asking, what, how are you going to yield yourself? For sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under the law but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. God forbid. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? So either of sin, that leads to death, or of obedience, that leads to righteousness. So, the, again, we're burying the old life, yes. raising up a new life because you have a new master, a mm. new Lord, yes. and yes. now you have yielded yes. yourself to him. Yes. And, and so this is what the Judaizers are trying to say. Well, then let's go back to the law. Yeah. yeah. After yeah. this, let's go back to the law. Yeah. Let's circumcise them. Yeah. Let's, get a, let's just yeah. do all that. He's like, no, no. Mm-hmm. you got a new master. Yes. Right. Right. The law didn't do that. Christ has done that. Exactly. And That's now right. you don't do it out of obligation. Mm-hmm. You serve him and follow him and yield yourself to him out of love. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing uh, to see that same struggle. It's like, Paul is still struggling with the same thing that they struggle with from the beginning. And I, I know I keep going back to that. What and, and I, I don't want to keep anybody if anybody's in that vein, uh, I don't I don't want to keep us from just, moving just, on there. Uh, Pastor Whitley, let's let's you let's let's help someone today. Okay. Uh, Pastor Woodward. Let's help that new convert that has repented, uh, been baptized on Sunday, received the Holy Ghost, and um, maybe the next day, a few days later, he sins. Okay, all right. Now we know the adversary. We know what he's going to tell. Yeah. All right. But you read the scripture, and it was like a a light went off. Let mm. not sin reign in your mortal, mortal bodies. Body. That word "reign" there means to rule. Mm-hmm. Means to rule. There's a big difference into any uh, uh, new convert that's listening today, or or any person that's struggling uh, in in a sin. Um, there's a difference between something reigning over you, right, yes, sir, <laughs> and you having a weak moment, yes, and you fall in sin, yes, sir. okay. We use the terminology that way. The Bible says, "He that committeth sin, yeah. is of the devil." Huh. The word "commit" there in the Greek is to practice. If you're a practice practicing yeah. sinner, you know, then hmm. then, then you're, you're really in no relationship with God. But there are people that have a weakness. And they find themselves falling into that sin. And to them, we would want to minister the love of God and the grace of God that God loves you. He will love you out of that sin. Yeah. He will love you. Uh, he will love you to the point to where um, I, I remember speaking to a young man one time that fell in sin. He came in the office very hardened. Okay. And all I had to say was these words: "You're better than this." Hmm. Wow. You're, 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 yeah. I called his name and said, son, you're much better than this. Yeah. And there was a young man with arms crossed, very stubborn. Big old tears begin to flow down his face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I know it. I know it. I'm better than mm-hmm. you. You know. So the love of God. If we can just help these people, and there's a difference between sin reigning. Yes. You commit practicing sin, and that person that truly, yes, truly needs yeah. to keep his flesh crucified. Yeah. And so. But, um, there's three words that I, theological words that I, I like to use when I'm teaching about that very thing. Justification. Mm. I am saved from the penalty yes. of my sin. Sanctification. The next phase. I am saved from the power of sin over me. Mm-hmm. So that's an ongoing battle. Right. Mm. And then finally, glorification, the rapture or by death, <laughs> I'm saved out of the very presence, presence. of sin. Yes. Wow. So the battle is in the middle. Mm. If you're already a child of God, if you've experienced the new birth and you're not glorified yet, you're in the middle. Yeah. Um, and, and so sanctification is a synonym for separation, withdrawal, apart, unique, distinct, mm-hmm. holy. Mm. Those are all synonyms. So the battleground is the pull between God's spirit in you, leading you to be holy and separate unto God, and the things of the world, your carnal nature, that old Adam trying to pull you back. So that's always the battleground. And the battleground is right here in your mind. So that's where the devil tries to work with condemnation. And so my advice for a person like that is, if you lose one little battle today, you get back up and you keep fighting. You know, we're, we're sitting here in the state of Tennessee, in the middle of the United States of America, the greatest military power on the face of the earth. America doesn't give up and withdraw their troops because they had one setback in one battle somewhere. And how much more important is that in a spiritual life? Just because you have one setback, get back up. And, and, And Pastor Nate already mentioned this, but Paul uses the word yield and Mm. obey, and Mm. you're a servant so many times in this chapter. But here's the way he does it. You were the servants of sin. Right. You did yield to sin in the past. Now you're servants of righteousness, and you yield to righteousness. So one of the things that I like (laughs) to say to people, Brother Carpenter, is how hard was it when you were in sin? You just yielded. You, You didn't have to make any big determination. You just yielded to sin. And the next time sin came along, was it harder or easier to yield? Well, it was easier. And you just yielded your way into an addiction or you yielded your way Mm. into a lifestyle. And so before you turn around, you look and you're so far into that. It's no different in the opposite direction. I yield to God. I Mm. might not understand a particular conviction or a particular doctrine, but I yield to God because I see the truth of his word and I've experienced a new birth. I'm one of his kids, so I yield. And pastor preaches something. I'm not quite there yet, but I I just think, you know what? I'm I'm given this as much as I gave sin and I yield. So is it harder or easier to yield the next time? It's easier. So the same way as I yielded my way into sin... Now, I yield my way into righteousness. It all comes back to what direction I'm willing to submit. Because I submitted myself to sin. Now I'm submitting myself to God. And I think sometimes, I know for young believers, we're talking about helping young believers, is they they, they question, even sometimes seasoned saints, Mm -hmm. am I saved? Yep. Am I I saved? Sure. And we're looking for feeling, emotion, oh, some type of confirmation, somebody to come read my mail, something, you know, a voice from heaven. Mm-hmm. Am I saved? I think one of the best ways for you to have assurance, and I believe God wants us to have the assurance that we are in him. Yes. 
have your affections changed? Mm. There you go. Because when I was in sin, I didn't want to pray. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to worship. I didn't want to give. Yeah. I didn't want to serve. I didn't. I wanted to yield myself mm-hmm. to all the all the sure. things of this world. But being in Christ, all of a sudden, things have changed. Yes, I want to pray. Yes. I I want to read the Word yes. of God. I want to go to church. I yeah. want to serve. I want to. They want those are to me those are assurances that something yes. has happened mm-hmm. here, right. happened. and that uh, oh there has been a change. And I think. Zach had said it a few lessons ago. It's it's this, it's the ordinary things. Really, it's the these are extraordinary things because they've changed in us. Yeah, right. It's it, these are stepping stones to a life of freedom. Right. And then to use the the, the 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 other side of the coin with that. What you said about yielding yourself to. Once you start to make the decision that the old man is dead, the further and further away you get from it, I am not tempted to go drink. Right. Yeah. I'm not tempted right. to go and right. do all. Why? Because I've had an affection change. Yeah. Right. Yes. I'm an, right. I'm walking, so I'm I'm further and further along, and so I think that's the assurance sometimes that that new believers need. Like, mm-hmm. where am I at? I, there's been a change here, exactly. and others will see it. Others will notice it. But also, you need to notice it in yourself. Like, yes. man, I, I used to not want to go to church. I yeah. didn't want to go yeah. pray. I didn't want to go worship. Absolutely. And so the oldest passed away, and it's, it's much, become, more. Yes, right. much, it's more. much more. Yes, much more. Much more. It's, it's, yeah. it's much more. It's so you, you've you've yielded your way right. yeah. into obedience the yeah. same way you used yeah. to yield your way yeah. into sin. You know, you know, and it's it's obvious that chapter six, Paul is identifying to us. He is identifying to us our biggest enemy. Yeah, which yeah. is not Satan. No, it's our flesh. Yes. Right. Yes. You, you know, it, it, it's it's our flesh. And if if we can, uh, you, you know, uh, and I know there's spiritual warfare. We do spiritual warfare here at our church. We do it. We teach spiritual warfare. But everything is not a spirit. No, no, exactly. no. You know, yeah. it's not. It's our. It's our. If we can get our flesh uh, under uh, submission um, and and yield to the right right thing, it seems like he's just. Really hammering away here. Um, don't let the flesh come back from the dead. Yeah. Mm, yes, you know? yeah. yes, yes, yes. Go, go ahead, ahead, brother. Go ahead. The, uh, uh, to to circle back around to the new birth, because here's what we're seeing in chapter six, seven, and eight. We're going to see these powerful shadows of the new birth. Paul doesn't explicitly quote Acts 2.38, but when he's talking about buried with Christ by baptism, if the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, that shepherd, like, I mean, come come on, on. that's that's pretty obvious. So, So a comparison I love to make when talking about the new birth, Jesus, uh, was crucified. He died on a cross. That was an act of men. They did that to him. They killed him. They nailed his body there. He was buried in a tomb, also an act of men. They took him down from the cross. They carried his lifeless body to the tomb and buried him. But when he rose from the dead on what we call Easter Sunday morning, that was an act of God. So the parallel to the new birth, when I repent of my sins, that is my choice. That's my action. I choose to walk away, to turn around, to make a difference in my direction. So that's an act of men. That's an act of my will. When I choose to be baptized in Jesus' name, that is a, a, a physical act with spiritual consequences. Mm. But I choose to do that. I choose to submit to baptism. And so the Bible tells me when I repent, I'm I'm, I'm really taking on his death. When I'm baptized, mm. yeah. I'm, I'm assimilating his burial, so to speak. When I receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I can choose to repent. 
I can choose to be baptized. And that's why you see scriptures like repent and be baptized, or mm -hmm. that repentance and baptism should be preached. You see that, those two together because they're our response. Wow. But on that third day, that was not an act of man when Jesus came out of the tomb. And when I receive the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues, wow. that is not an act of man. That's a spiritual supernatural act. Yeah. And that's the crowning moment of the new birth. It's like that first breath of a baby after natural birth. It's, it's that speaking. So here's a little comparison that Paul, I think, is making here. The gospel, you know, repentance is such a powerful choice. I choose to yield my life in a different direction. He says that all through chapter six. Mm -hmm. Baptism is a covenant. It puts me... Yeah into Christ. And the Holy Ghost is God's power. It puts Christ in me, the hope of glory. <laughs> right, yeah. So I'm covered. So yes. I love this. This yes. is so cool. The gospel sets you, because you, you both mentioned the battle, for, especially for newer believers. The gospel actually sets you free yeah. to fight that battle, to fight sin yes. that tried to reign over you. So I love this. Repentance gives you the will to fight. Yeah. yeah. Baptism gives you the right to fight. It's a covenant. Right. And the Holy Ghost gives you the power to fight. So, good. so so then that's how you live this new life. It's not any different than you yielding to sin. That was so easy for you, for every one of us. But it's just in a different direction. Don't make it difficult now. Don't resist and fight and argue and I will give me three reasons, Pastor, and give me 10 Bible studies. Just yield the same way you yielded in your old life, yeah. and you're going to be a success living wow. for God. Yeah. Wow. That's so powerful. I, I, I can't help but close this out in the sense of what we see here in being in Christ. Um, in Christ is mentioned... I don't know, 75, 80 times, I believe, in the Bible. Majority of the time, it's by Paul. Mm -hmm. Paul mentions in 2 Corinthians, if I'm not mistaken, that it's, he said, I, I saw a man caught up in the third heaven. I, don't, I couldn't tell you much about him, but I knew he was in Christ. Mm -hmm. So it's like that whole statement of being in Christ and Christ in me, if you really look at that picture, and I, I don't want to get too far off trying to close this out, but if, if I get in Christ... Christ in me. We could re reference a ton of passages there. Mm -hmm. yes, I and the Father, the Father in me, I'll work in him. The, the, the whole thing here expla really explains the Godhead and the sense of when I get in Christ, it makes me recognizable. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't tell whether it was this, but he was in, the, you know, in Christ wow. and then Christ in me. It, it explains a, a whole lot of things, but I, I guess this experience of baptism is such a powerful thing. And I think we get so focused many times and not to, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm very strongly, guys, it's probably a pet peeve is like to magnify one thing. I don't have to degrade another. Absolutely. So right. I'm not to say that the evidence of the Holy ghost is not a powerful thing, but I believe <coughs> understanding baptism is yes. as much evidence as speaking in tongues. And I think as much as we get those three things of the new birth, the one thing that gets left out after the initial moment of I came to an altar, I prayed a prayer of repentance. I go to a bat, go to baptism. I understand baptism. I went through a Bible study. I go down in His name. I understand. I understand all that happened in that moment, and I grasp it. I receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and then I walk away from that, and I pray a prayer of repentance most every morning. And let's say three or four times a week. If you're, you know, that powerful person, you may speak in tongues, but you never apply the water again 
in your mind. So you're thinking, well, that was just a one-time experience. But that water is that laver. It's that mirror we just referred to a few. Uh, you know, it's, it's what we're doing right now. Yeah. That revelation of going down in the, it's, it's that, that water. It's me picking this thing up and looking at it every day. Right. The washing of water by the, the washing word. washing of water right. by the word. He's going to cleanse his bride. Mm. Without, it's the washing. It's the, the only way I'm going to stay is to do what we're doing right now. Yeah. To remain in Christ is to remain in the water. It's not, and so just like repentance isn't a one-time thing, that washing of that—that's the initial. That's the mm, initial that's taking on of the name. Once I understand that name, I've got to keep washing myself with that word, Very good. word every single day. And so I think that's. Uh, I hope that somehow, some way through. Uh, this process of us just having a good time here that um, you as a viewer are being able to to wash yourself uh, as we all look in the mirror and allow God to just make us better each and every day. Uh, I want to say thank you to all of you, and we'll you. jump into uh, Chapter 7 next series. Thank you for joining us.